Shut Cannibalistic humanoid underground dwellers. Prepare for horror, laughs, and thrills in this outrageous sequel to the home video hit Chud, Chud 2. Under Chud. Starring Brian Robbins from Head of the Class, Garrett Graham of Police Academy 6, Robert Vaughn, Bianca Jagger, Larry Linville of MASH, and many other popular stars. A dead body is nothing to be afraid of. He's suave. He heterosexual. He's charming. <laughs> He's different. Well, he eats people. I guess that could be interpreted as personality quirk. He's Bud the Chud, a half-dead decomposing humanoid, the result of a military experiment gone haywire. Colonel Masters, there was a reason that these creatures were kept underground. For instance, the little matter of the drugs, cannibalistic side effects. Now he's loose on the town, spreading the horrifying Chud disease everywhere. <laughs> what in the wide world of sports is going on in here? <laughs> what are these talking about? Some animated corpse? You got it? Everything it infects mutates. The army, the police, and the FBI can't seem to stop this ravenous plague. But a group of clever kids might just chill the Chuds. Unreal. Chud 2. This Chuds for you. What is up? This is the Sight and Sound Podcast presented by Heart God Media. And uh, I have, of course, returning to do the sequel to Chud, Mr. Lou Smith of Burger Creek Productions, of uh, a million different things, but mainly Burger Creek Productions and, of course, his band Lurking Class. Lou, welcome back once again for the millionth time. Hey, you know, it's uh, I, I I needed a reason to rewatch this, and... When you brought this up, it was like, this is a fucking no-brainer. So th- let me just thank you for, for having you bring me back to do this, because this was a fucking roller coaster ride. Two completely... The, and if you oh. if, if we haven't said it yet, this is uh, Chud 2, Bud the Chud, uh, <laughs> sequel to the 1984 masterpiece that is Chud, uh, yeah. that we covered last October. So it's only fitting that we cover its sequel from 1989 now a year later in october of 2021 and two completely different movies it 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 was it's insane to me that these were billed like under the same name because it's almost night and day i mean it literally is night and day and we'll obviously get into the the details about it but like uh, you know going through and rewatching it again because I, I had recently rewatched Chud, and it's just like these are completely separate fucking movies, like almost to a fucking T, you know? Yeah, so it's, it was. It, it just blew my mind again, you know? Like it's it's watching. it's very but, much like the troll and troll two thing. It's it, so he, here's what I, I I I came up with. I think that Chud two about the Chud is essentially a hybrid of, like, the concepts of, like, Weekend at Bernie's, Harry and the Hendersons, and, like, Day of the Dead. It's yeah, like this that's, that's literally, like, a perfect uh, way to put it. And, and, and it just, it walks this line of it being self-aware, you know, the, the chuds, Bud and the other chuds, essentially being aware that they're chuds, but 
they're zombies, but they're still concerned with their appearance in some sense. Like Bud gets a haircut, steals a suit jacket, they coordinate a dance. You know, it's just like there's it's just such an insane movie, but in the opposite direction of the first one. I know you and I gushed about the first one when we initially did this podcast. You were you were very uh, you you brought me on to, to fucking bullshit about that. So it was like. It's just it's it's just still crazy to me that these still fall in technically the same franchise, right? I think though, uh, you know, this was a popular move to go to in the '80s. Uh, you look at Texas Chainsaw Massacre from '74, obviously like a landmark film. Uh, one of the, it, it, I think it is on on book. I I know everyone tries to say it's Halloween. And uh, fellow a uh, fellow Texan. I'm not from fucking Texas. What am I saying fellow Texan for? Uh, that's how much I fucking I love the South that I'll fucking I'll I'll erroneously claim I'm a fellow Texan. Uh, but uh, Texan Joe Bob Briggs uh, always goes on to to make sure that Texas Chainsaw Massacre gets its due as the most successful independent film of all time. Maybe not on the books because it was mob owned and you won't really see you. Even, even, you know, what they do have on the books is, like, mind-boggling for what it made uh, in drive-ins and in theaters in the 70s and, and what have you. But Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 that Toby Hooper did in, in 1986, completely different film, went total comedy, and that's what this one did. Went total comedy, and I think that was kind of the move uh, to do in the 80s, coming off any kind of sequel... Um, granted, you know, the, the sequel for this was only five years, uh, prior, but yeah, went total comedy and it's a completely different film, but I mean, just bat, bat shit, total bat shit. Just like, I mean, Chud's, Chud's kind of bat shit itself, but this one's oh, bat yeah. shit in, in kind of the other way. Yeah. This one definitely explored a lot of those. Like I said, it, I, I almost couldn't decide if it's like, okay, well, obviously Yes. They're cannibalistic, so you have the element of like, okay, they they crave meat, you know, like that's the big driving force. But like, just getting to know this fucking what seems to be a pretty dysfunctional fucking town, you know, what is it, Winter Haven in fucking California or whatever it is. It's like just some of these sequences where it's like we're getting to, to know the local bit, the one place that people eat the fucking whatever it is bulls burger shack or whatever the fuck that place is um it's just it's it it is batshit in the writing and as far as comedy is concerned too it's like kevin kevin and steve it's it's basically like a little rick moranis and a little fucking like steve gutenberg like it was just it was so like obnoxious the the scenarios that they found themselves in and I, i feel like making it a little lighter making chug because I think one of the things that we we talked about, or maybe I just screamed about it when we initially did shot, is the first one's kind of dark. It's a kind of seedy. Oh, very and, very seedy. We I mean we talked about that too. Yeah, like very seedy, yeah. like uh, you know, dirt, dringy fucking New York in the eighties. Underbelly of, yes. of New York City, and then it's like this. Winter, is Wintervale? Does it? Or is it Winterhaven? Winterhaven. Um, is that technically is it California? I know in the in the beginning when um, the colonel was talking about, it, I was like, yeah, we have this research facility. I think he said California. Yeah, I, I believe be so. I, be, I believe so. Yeah. It definitely looked like uh, scenes like when the gurney with the stiff was going down the hill. It totally reminded me of like ET. 
wide roads, flat, you know, like it was just, this has got to be California uh, somewhere. But just the premise of this entire movie to begin with, the fact that like this disgruntled uh, colonel, he's not a fucking general, he's a colonel, is so hell-bent on like discover or like researching essentially bioweapons, right? In, in order to create this super soldier that doesn't die is so bent out of shape that the budget gets cut that he essentially does this off the books in California with zero regard for human life. And it's just (laughs) the only reason that Kevin and Steve get involved with this is because they fucking lose the corpse that their, their fucking science uh, class was going to take. Yeah. Yeah. It's It's insane. And it's, it's so day of the dead influenced. And I think they, they put that on their, on their, on their on their uh, you know sleeve, they don't they don't shy away from it. You know the military angle. Uh, obviously, the the Chud's name is B- the zombie. You know it's Chud. It's a zombie. Zombie's name is Bud. You know the 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 main talking zombie and that was yeah. intelligent in Day of the Dead was Bub. So I mean it's very uh, very on the sleeve about this. And this is kind of right around the zombie craze. You know we've gotten. You know, Return of the Living Dead in 85, Return of the Living Dead 2 in 88. We, you know, we've gotten, obviously, Dawn of the Dead in 78, but we got Day of the Dead in 85. You know, Zombie, Reanimator, like, all these, like, the zombie craze is huge. And I think people with the, when Walking Dead blew up, uh, you know, people kind of thought it was, like, the first time zombies became so mainstream. But zombies were huge. There was Bud Light commercials with zombies in them in the 80s. People forget about that. Um... So the zombie thing was, you know, this is the, the in the midst of the zombie craze as the 80s are winding down. And they went straight comedy with this. Uh, we got Garrett Graham playing Bud. He was also in Phantom of the Paradise. He was in uh, Child's Play 2. The guy was in a, in a million different things. Uh, very recognizable. Very, like, uh, distinct face, too. A good choice to play the Chud. Bud the Chud. He definitely remind like that first sequence when you actually see him be animated like in the bathroom after they like essentially electrocute him and jump jump start him more or less. When he starts interacting and kind of moving around a little bit, he just reminded me so much of fucking Robert Pattinson, but like if Robert Pattinson like completely abused like long cut wintergreen skull for like twenty years. <laughs> like watch watch Beach Nut, him, Beach like, Nut. <laughs> it was it, it was just it it was very uh he you're right very recognizable face um but it so let, let me ask you this let me ask you this um in the first one now they completely changed the imagery of the chuds themselves because in the first one i definitely feel like it walked that line of like basically what we were talking about almost not like monster movie matinee type shit or like Hollywood, but like it, they're creatures. Yes, it Whereas was a total these, New these York City. Zombies. It was a New York City creature feature, is what it was. Yeah, ex- exactly. And this is again now chuds are zombies or aspects of zombies. Now, is this or was this one of the first? And you might be able to answer this. You, you of all people, might be able to answer this. Was this the first true attempt at making a family friendly? Because I would I wouldn't necessarily say Day of the Dead is family friendly. This is purely family friendly. So like in regards to like the zombie craze, is this kind of the PG offering of that time? 
uh, I think the it's the most PG for sure, but even Day of the or, or Day of the Dead, uh, Return of the Living Dead two, they went even. I mean, the first one is pretty comedic, but there was still some really like horrorish elements to it that were like you know very like oh you're like oh fuck that's fucked up uh you know two return of the living dead two which was in 1988 year before this it, they went total comedy they had like yeah. a, a michael jackson zombie doing like the thriller dance they had like the the zombies were were making like jokes you know so i don't think it it was the first but as far as it this being like the most definitely like the most uh pg i guess the most family friendly for sure for sure that i can that i can think of for sure yeah it it definitely it it strikes that chord and like i didn't even know that they were doing like they had fucking bud light commercials in the 80s that featured zombies like that's insane to me but it makes sense for the time like what you saying that and then it's like you you're kind of rattling off all of those other zombie movies around this time it's like yeah this totally makes sense that this was like all right, we have this. We have this standalone movie. We have this universe. We have the name and likeness of these characters. We have Chud. Let's see what we can do now to maybe not necessarily directly compete with like over the you know the the dark, grimy, serious horror stuff. Let's see if we can sneak in something that you know kids, quote unquote kids, right? Kids may, might be able to watch. And we, we're avoiding that like rated R stamp or whatever it was at the time. You know, like. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like it's almost right. like it, how do we, how do we still maintain re- relevance in this market that's just flush with zombie shit? Exactly. Know? Yeah, it's it's uh it's it you know it's a t- like I said because obviously we were we were uh, just born or a year old little kid when this movie came out, but this you know this is a time like I said I think people forget. Uh, and you know, if I had more of a life, I wouldn't be such a historian on, on zombies and and horror movies, but it is what it is. Uh, and it's, you know, it's, it's funny to look back and see that, you know, with the crazed, you know, 10 years ago, 11 years or 11 years ago now, when walking dead popped off and, and, you know, as the years followed, it became the most like successful, one of the most successful shows on all television and, and zombies, you know, they started making more zombie comedies with, with, uh, you know, like Life After Beth, Burying the X, um, even, you know, uh, Warm Bodies, all these movies uh, started coming out. The the zombie, the Zomcom, as it were, started becoming like a thing again. And this movie, I think, is plays in the, in the, whatever you want to call it, the, the pantheon of horror comedies and, and zombie comedies. Like, this is one of the pillars for for better or worse whatever people may feel on it and i know some people be like oh the movie's so stupid like and those usually are people that take their zombie movies too serious um mm-hmm. but this is kind of a i mean it definitely you can see the influence that this movie had uh across the board and obviously it took it from the one and only george romero the, the king the godfather of the american zombie uh and i'll never be able to give him enough credit but the the cast too is great we got robert vaughn playing the colonel that dude's from like hilarious. superman 3 it was in fucking basketball that's where I, that's like the sole thing is basketball exactly too. uh he did a lot of low budget tv and stuff he's got over 230 credit film credits uh acting credits uh so he's like pretty he's he's pretty established so uh i i had to say this that uh so steve one, he's got a sick mully. He's got the a sickest mully. mullet in show business at that time, I would argue, for his age group. 
So, you know, yeah, this dude didn't do a lot of acting, but he went on to be an executive producer for Norbit, Smallville, did executive produced all the all that episodes, Arliss from HBO, Varsity what? Blues, uh, and was a producer on uh, Varsity Blues, Keenan and Cal, Good Burger. That was like his big claim to fame in the movie industry for like for the most part. No shit. Dude, Steve, th- that actor that played Steve, I-, I couldn't get it out of my head. I was like, he looks like a, a kid, Steve Gutenberg. He just has the oh, same yeah. look to him. But what I, <laughs> I would, I would love to have seen if he was on set during the. When you say Norbit, you're talking like the Eddie Murphy. People. Yes. Exactly. Is that yep. Okay. So I would have loved to have seen if that, if uh, quote unquote Steve was on set during that, and like. You know, he probably wasn't necessarily calling out like, all right, let's do, you know, he's probably just like token, you know, position sitting there. Would have been great if like he had a conversation with Eddie Murphy and Eddie Murphy's like, can you leave me alone? Weren't you Steve and fucking Chud too, Bubba Chud? Like, let me do my shit. I know this movie's not going to be amazing, but just let me get, let me get it out there. Okay. (laughs) These all can't be bow fingers. All right. Like fucking bow fingers. Let me have my shitty movie. All right. It's like I said, this, this movie has such a, uh, you know, the day of the dead thing with the military and everything. And we hear, you know, the, the chuds are a research project for the military, you know, ballistic fucking biochemical warfare weapons. Um, and, uh, so the director, uh, whose name escapes me, but his mother is Priscilla Pointer who is the nurse who's or the nurse, the doctor, Dr. Sims in dream warriors, nightmare on Elm street three. Uh, and she plays, uh, you know, one of the fucking whatever's on the, the panel of people that he's talking with that the, that's one of the doctors here or whatever. Um, and this is immediately, we see, you know, Garrett, uh, Graham, uh, bud, you know, that he gets frozen, with uh or or not him it's is it an, it's another chud isn't it that gets frozen with nit- nitrogen right correct and basically are you talking that that sequence in the be- the very beginning yes yes exactly yes um one thing i wanted to point out too that i found very interesting about this because it ties in directly to what you're talking about i what i liked about this this the entire concept of like how these chuds acted in this movie was because like I found it fascinating that the, the the organisms themselves, the bodies, not only if you froze them, they would rapidly the, the host, like the cells, would rapidly heat up to essentially overcome obstacles, but in real time. Right. Like, and I know they were hitting on that a li- like a, a multiple times. Like this is this is why you know we have these super warriors or whatever. They're going what is it into like overdrive survival mode or something. Like I, I believe. Uh, Colonel Masters, they had touched on it at some point, but um, just a crazy angle. Like, it's for, for all the goofy shit that happens, it's like there's still some cool elements of like, well, that's actually pretty interesting. You know, like, this isn't just, these aren't just mindless creatures. Like, they're actually pretty, you, you could almost argue, like, kind of advanced, like, cellular organisms, right? Like, as far as like creating super soldiers that, like, they kind of just go and go and go and go. It's kind of fucked up <laughs> in a yeah. sense, you know? But anyway, I, I I digress. Get back. You you were walking us through kind of the opening portion of this, and so so pretty much like you know, like you you said, you know, the kids, uh, Kevin and Steve, they lose the cadaver, and 
you know, hijinks ensues. And then it just becomes like the, you know, like a, I mean, it's, it's almost like a, it's a fun predictability of a film, I guess. Like that, yeah. you know, you know exactly where it's going, but you don't mind that you're, that you know exactly where it's going. Did they address where the cadaver actually ended up? No, it just fucking rode down fucking New Boston Street. Dude, in the middle of the street, too. That's the best part. It's like, I, I love that sequence where it's like, they're watching it just go down the hill. And, like, there's people out by the school, you know, in the soccer yard and fucking cars at the stop sign and shit. And it's like, it's, I, I oftentimes try to put myself in that sequence of, like, what would I do if this was real life and I'm sitting in a car and I just watch a fucking gurney go by with clearly a corpse under that sheet? It, they just stop. They stopped pursuing it. So that ended up in someone's front lawn or, it, it, you know, on the foot, you know, the steps of a business in town. It's just insane to me. Like, that is the catalyst for them getting involved in this top secret, essentially black budgeted fucking military uh, procedure, pro- you know, whatever, right. research program. It's just wild. Hijinks is a perfect, perfect phrase so- for that, I think. Brian Robbins, who plays Steve, he he did do like some acting. He was in fucking was Growing Pains. He was in like all the big '80s like things. He was always in like one episode, like one episode of Three's Company, one episode of Facts of Life, one episode of Night Riders, one episode of Different Strokes, one episode of Growing Pains. Like he he was kind of that guy. But the other dude, Kevin, played by uh, or yeah, Kevin played by uh. What's his name? Bill something. Bill Cavett, Calvert, something like that. That dude didn't really do a lot of acting either, but he was a fireman and a train passenger in the Sam Raimi Spider, first two Sam Raimi Spider-Man films. Oh, shit. So that has to be a personal acquaintance. Yeah, yeah. So, something like that. He owed him a cheeseburger or something. <laughs> uh, you know, but we get, uh, you know, Steve and... Kevin roll up into the fucking into the what is it like a the what is it a VA hospital? It's got yeah, it's got to be. Well, no, 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 no. Okay, so they roll up to it, it's not the Center for Disease Control, but it's a variation of that. It's like Center for Disease Studies. Okay, because yeah. it pans out and it shows the front of the building. Right, right. And it's at night or whatever, so it's that's see that's what I I. I was like, is this, it's a research facility in this small ass town. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. It's a play on the Center for Disease Control. And they very, like, Night of the Creeps-esque find the body. 100%. 100%. I didn't even realize that until you just said that, yes. In the fucking Iron Main, or the, I'm sorry, the Iron Lung. Yeah, exactly. Wild. And, of course, Bud the Chud thaws out, and what happens? Chud hijinks ensues. <laughs> can that can we please make I mean that would be an amazing shirt. Chud hijinks and Sue's, you know, Bud the Chud. You know? <laughs> I, oh, that's I, the I, third listen, we gotta write and try to fund a third installment of in the Chud series called uh Chud. Uh or Chud Three, Chud Hijinks and Sue's. Or just Chud Three, Hijinks and Sue's. Hijinks and Sue's. I like it. I like it. Definitely. Okay, so actually one thing I wanted to mention too before we get so far past that, I love the fascination in horror films, in 80s horror films in particular, the neon green reanimator colored 
everything. Oh, Anything yeah. that's suspended in liquid or that's put in a syringe is that fucking color. It's great. That's got to be it. like the glow stick shit, right? It's got to it be. Has to, it has to be. Probably because it's so fucking cheap and you can just get so much of it. And it's probably toxic as fuck. Yeah, and they're all sitting around fucking, you know, they're railing lines of coke fucking off that table. That shit, that shit probably spilled on, you know, like, all right, let's get ready for this next scene. Oh, like, yeah. Uh, anyway, I wanted to mention that before because, like, I just thought of it and I was like, dude, reanimator colored liquid everywhere. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, you know, Bud ends up uh, getting his ass, they end up dragging his ass into Steve's house. Well, Kevin keeps the parents occupied, but something I noticed when Bud does those parents did. Oh my god, a fucking Look, the penguins are mating, cl- dude! Just like classic '80s parents, unaware, fucking unaware crazy. of said hijinks. Uh, <laughs> but when they get into the, this is something I took big note at, and this is something I needed to mention. When Bud the Chud awakes, uh, pre hijinks fucking the toilet the 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 toilet covers and the toilet seat covers the like fabric rug covers that used to go on toilets so gross is that not like immediately every time i see it i don't think i've ever seen shit smeared on them but i think about how vile and fucking disgusting (laughs) it would be to just have like a little piece of shit smeared into it where it was so matted in it that you couldn't get it out. It was like a piece of fucking bazooka in your hair. That it just looks... I, I just think of someone just smearing like a little little piece of dirty shit. Like, just in the carpeted fucking... Who puts carpet on your wet toilet? Your toilet perspires. Why are you putting carpet on it? See, that's what I don't understand. Like, I, alright, so my grandmother would put the fucking carpeted thing on the lid... But to have it a, 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 throughout the whole entire fucking I've thing never seen that before. I've never seen that. That must be some California bullshit. So are are there fucking are there toilets perspiring? They have to be. They're in the fucking they're in California. Dry heat doesn't matter if you right. if it's ninety out, your toilet's gonna be sweating. Dude, you imagine the stink on the inside of that fucking toilet toilet cover. Ugh. Ugh. And especially like do. like too. I understand the seat goes up and stuff, but like if you're fat and you got some back flaps. And they're just, you're sweating, taking a big, like, raunch shit. Like, your back sweat's going on the side of it. Like, you're getting shit, and, like, it's just perspiring. It's just wet, soggy, like, shit-smeared rug you got on your toilet. Like, what the, who thinks about that? Like, Dude, the, the bazooka and the hair analogy for, like, a piece of shit, like a ball of shit in there is so fucking hilariously spot on. Because you know, you know, okay, so... Get this too. Here's here's what makes that more interesting. Your observation: there's a child living in that house. Oh, and you yeah. know for a fact, ch- children are dirty. They're disgusting. They got doo doo and feces all over their fucking doo doo and chocolate all over their fingers. You know for a fact that that bitch fucking wiped her fucking shit smeared hands somewhere on that fucking toilet. Well, yeah, it's like a soft fucking like little rug. Like, oh, I got a little shit on my hand. Am I gonna I'm grab gonna toilet paper? Am I gonna wad up? All this fucking one-ply fucking 80s Scott and fucking get the shit. No, you know how easy the shit's going to come out of from under your fingernail when you wipe it on that fucking shitty turquoise fucking ruggy fucking wet shit you got on the back of the toilet? 
I hated, I hated how everything in that bathroom was so monotone, like turquoise. <laughs> there was, there was such little differentiation between the color tones that they chose. It was like, this is fucking ugly. And the fucking water inside the toilet was like fucking Listerine colored. So it even matched that like insane to me. Absolutely insane. Cause everyone um, used to buy those blue fucking disgusting tablets and put in the back of their fucking tank. <laughs> Hey, you want to smell like the, the the fucking urinal at Arby's? Let's buy these and put it in our fucking house. It um, might be the only thing that's been be- that that we've progressed, and, and I can truly say is better in the better now than it was in the eighties. Was the way we treat and accessorize or lack thereof our toilets? <laughs> Amen to that, brother. Amen to that. Jesus. So Bud obviously sees a dog meat fucking wants to chase it uh and bites a dog they don't eat and they they make it a point to cut to like uh they cut to uh who's who's their shit saying you know oh they won't eat them they'll just nibble uh so he bites the dog and then we get a chud dog we get a a chud pup and (laughs) and you know what I, i what i love about this is they drop they don't drop the full song until like or like a bigger part of the song until like towards the end of the movie, but they have those little clips where they hit the little riff and the ah dun 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 dun. You got the marching bass line. It was so like the theme itself was. I don't think they could have done that any better because it fits so well. Not only as like a timepiece for when this was released and like the theme songs for the movies. The theme songs for the movie. That was something I was talking about the other day. So, are there any actual songs in this movie? Was there an OST for this? Or is it all just the score and then the theme? So, there was some... What was the dude's name? So, actually, that Bud the Chud song... The Bud the Chud... Who wrote, who wrote that? You'll never fucking believe who wrote the lyrics. Cynthia Garris, Mick Garris's wife. Are you fucking kidding me? And I don't know why, but it was music by Nicholas Pike, lyrics by Cynthia Garris, and performed by Kip Lennon. No relation to John. <laughs> That's insane. And so she got credit for that. She got credit. She got writing credit for that. That's wild. So, so again, so again, there's some people are talking. Fucking homeboy, you said Kevin Wright was fucking the the ladder man on Spider Man One and Two. Right. Nick Garris's wife is writing the lyrics. Dude, people knew people in this fucking movie. I swear to God, it wasn't just Robert Vaughn's connection. Right, right, exactly. So they had Wall of Voodoo perform Guys Like Girls. Okay. Okay. And then... Was was that the dance sequence? Was that the actual at the dance? I believe so, yeah. And then they had a song called Man Talk performed by Andy Preboy. And he did the "I am a hungry man" that that fucking <laughs> that fucking song, which is also like mixed in at the end with the Bud the Chud song. So, so wild. Uh, but yeah, they had "Brave New Dance," which was performed by Andy Preboy and Wall Voodoo. So it was pretty much like those two dudes doing it, and for some somehow got Cynthia Garris to write fucking the lyrics for Bud the Chud. The main theme too. That's insane. You're so, what was the name of the dude who performed it? Like Robert Pike or something? Uh, I think his name was Robert Pike. Nicholas Pike. 
Nicholas Pike. I'm wondering if he was like the fucking backup keyboard player for like ELO or some shit, you know? And he's like, dude, I got this gig doing this theme song that Garris's wife wrote, you know? Like, I feel like because wasn't that the thing with uh, wasn't that the thing with like the Chud score? It was like a dude who played in orchestral maneuvers in the dark for like three months, did the entire score or something like that. Really? Wasn't it something crazy or weird? That if if that's so, that's wild. I don't know. I thought it was something. Anyway, the, the the whole reason I brought this up is because, like, we were talking about, just as a quick aside, we were talking about movies nowadays and how, like, at one point in time, specific to, like, the 70s, I would argue some, some movies in the 70s, but definitely in the 80s, and then definitely in the 90s, the soundtrack was, like, king. Oh, or yeah. Queen or it whatever. held it your movie all. together. Nowadays, it's like you just don't have that in movies. You don't have a, a soundtrack. And if you do, they have soundtracks for period movies. Like American Hustle, right? The greatest hits of the nineteen seventies, early nineteen seventies, like throughout the whole movie, right? The, you get you get a fucking Scorsese movie. The Rolling Stones are being played in it at least once, right? It's like I just feel like other films, like other films, that wasn't. We've just gone, we've gone away with it for some reason. I don't really understand why. I think but that any the, anyway. I don't mean to digress on that fucking point. No, the only I mean horror is really like. I mean, with horror, like, a lot of soundtracks, like, as far as the scores is, like, or, or, you know, the, I guess the music, the composed score music is, like, popular right now. There are some that are still coming out with good soundtracks. Like, I know The Guest put out, like, a great synth, like, dark synth soundtrack with bands on it. Stranger Things not only released their, you know, like, synthy music composed for the show, but also released, you know, an actual for the, I think, the second season... They released an actual soundtrack, you know, that had the Who on it and every band that, like, performed, like, you know, they had songs from. The Clash series. and fucking all that right, shit. Right, right. Yep. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a lost art and it's a shame, but I'm glad they, like, Halloween Kills, like, I just got that vinyl and I'm I'm pumped to, to hear all the, the score music, obviously, by Carp. And I'm oh, glad, yeah. I'm glad we get that at least, but I'm also yeah, glad. It's it's just definitely I don't know like this would be a perfect example of that like a theme song specifically written for it you know right. it's like with the Flintstones movies you got the B fifty twos like performing throughout a fucking Bad Channels Blister Call like there's it's it just that idea of a theme even I would say and I know with horror movies that's like kind of like it's a thing right but like Pet Cemetery another I mean one of the more classic examples right like this works here you know it's, right it's just it's it kind of it baffles me a little bit but anyway we can get back to this uh, we get back to talking about this fucking roller coaster ride so an 80s movie wouldn't be an 80s movie without aerobics so we get in a woman doing a, <laughs> aerobics and she hits the she shit talks the girl that's instructing her aerobics video on the television and calls her or says i uh I've never seen an ounce of fat on your body, you neo-Nazi anorexic leotard slut. <laughs> Amazing dialogue. Uh, props to whoever wrote that line. Maybe it was Cynthia Garris for all we know. Um, but yeah, it wouldn't be, a, you know, obviously she comes out, she sees Bud the Chud out there, she's trying to get some, some Chud dong. Um, and she gets bit, turns, and... Then you immediately, like I said, it's predictable, but it's fun. You immediately know, like, okay, he's going to go around bite everyone, and we're going to get a horde of chuds. Mm-hmm. I, uh, at first, I'm going to be real with you during this rewatch. When she walks outside of the house, and she, like, sees his foot, and, like, touches his foot, 
and then like moves up his leg like and she's talking to him i honestly thought for about two seconds that she was blind but then i was like this doesn't make any sense because like i watched her like light a cigarette like neither you know get, when she got done with her set or whatever in aerobics but like it was so bizarre because it's like you would because remember she doesn't really freak out until bud smiles right right so it's like all right robert panson put on a little weight he shot up in height you know like he's looking a little tired prepping for the new batman movie but like it was just like there was that that split second i was like is she blind or am i just fucking then it's like oh no no, no. she's just like you said she wanted some chug dog and you know that you know that buzz gotta be packing some serious fucking like rotted meat down there you know like he just looks like he looks like he's got that swag right oh yeah Stumbles around, and that goes into the thing where I was talking about before that I did like about this a lot when it comes to hijinks. It, it doesn't go full mindless, mindless zombie. It's still kind of they're they're still there, right? There's still some semblance of like because they communicate amongst each other. Like they give the door person at the you know at, at the uh, at the I guess the gate or whatever the table in front of the dance right when they go inside at the, at the school or whatever like they're trying to count how many people are there it's three dollars ahead like like I said Bud gets a fucking haircut you know he's worried about his appearance he wants to fucking slip that old ding dong there to KT or whatever like it's just it's it's, it's wild to me um, the path that this takes for not being like a straight up uh, you know hey these are mindless idiots but they're kind of just superhumans, I guess, at this point. But they want to eat meat, and they turn other people as soon as they bite them. It's just a crazy combination. Now, before we go to the, we we move on uh, and and bro- blow through this story. Before he bites her and she turns, she feeds is getting ready to feed her cat. She uses an electric can opener. I don't know anyone who loses uses an electric can opener now. So have we regressed on the can opener like technology? You know, I'm I'm thinking that we are because going back to what we were talking about before with like, you know, we'll call it toilet accessories uh, from the 80s in that time frame. I believe that the only other person that I do honestly remember having an electric can opener is my grandmother and, you know, rest her weary bones, that can opener, that electric can opener is no longer. So I think we have regressed. I haven't fucking ever owned one. I've owned the fucking one that I got from goddamn dollar general in Canastota fucking 10 years ago, right, you know, before right. I go into college or whatever. Like I still use that piece of shit, <laughs> you know? I mean, I just thought it was funny. Like, why would we go back to manual can openers? But we have. I don't know where. I don't ever see fucking electric can openers even in a store. I don't know if they manufacture them anymore. Cause I'm wondering if they're like y'all motherfuckers need to just suck it up, do the do the five and a half turns that it takes to open your goddamn tuna or shredded chicken or whatever, whatever shit you're putting in your body. Like, I don't know. That's actually a good point. I'm wondering. Listen, anybody who's listening to this. Message message the Archive Media uh, page. Message the Burger Creek page. Do you own an electric can opener? I want to know. That's a good poll, if, actually. If you do, I'm 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 gonna I might be disappointed, but I'd also be interested to learn how you acquired it. Because you know it's like a fucking either family heirloom or it's something you stole from Salvation Army. Oh, right? it's definitely got some rust on it. It's cream colored. It's like a Ken Moore. <laughs> uh, fucking rust. But moving on from that. So they're searching for Bud because he's obviously escaped. 
and uh, we get the song, and it's just so much. Hi, Ripley. Uh sorry, my uh, my pup decided to pay me a visit. It's all good. Uh so the dog biting the mailman, and I don't know why I thought it was funny, and it just was like, like we said, kid friendly, but still entertaining for for us uh, lame brain adults. Uh, the the dog carrying the mailman away was just funny to me. I don't know why I thought it was funny. I'm, I know I'm easily entertained, but I don't know. I just thought it was funny. I I, I also like too that I like the choice of dog that they they you know decided to roll with because yeah. it was just totally totally made sense. But what's even better about that scene, too, is the way in which the daughter reacts to that whole sequence and basically just, like, stares, watches that happen and then walks away from, like, doesn't alert anybody to the fact that their fucking family dog is carrying away and probably going to maul the mailman or at least bite him in the fucking neck. Never, the daughter's just like, I'm over this shit. You know, fucking awesome. So good. So they're out, they're about and searching for him. And, of course, the hijinks is still ensuing. Uh, the military is now looking for him. Uh, the town's getting overtaken from Bud. Bud's out. There's fucking the barbers, a zombie. You know, all these fucking, you know, the goddamn O'Doyles from fucking Billy Madison are zombies. And uh, it's uh, it, just, it gets fucking crazy. And, like I said, they they smoothly but, like, effectively and fastly go through and get all this shit like they hit all these notes fast quick and in a hurry but it doesn't feel too rushed now for whatever reason they filmed three different or they at least edited and you know when i say film they just filmed additional stuff but there's three different versions of this film apparently no no shit so there's one that was supposed to be com- comedy, which we got. There was one that played it more serious, and then there's one strictly for television that incorporates a lot of both. Huh. I'm wondering. I'm Jesus Christ. So I'm wondering which one I watched because, like, so I remember when we were setting this up. So I do not own a physical copy of this, and I will probably go and see if uh, Fye has one available. Um, because like, I definitely have to add this to the collection, but I, when I watched this the first time and like, again, doing the rewatches and prepping for this episode, I watched whatever was available on Tubi. So uh, if I were to guess, I would guess like the hybrid serious hybrid fun, like the television one, basically. Yeah. I would, uh, I would assume that it was, um, but I don't think it's that like different. Like, do you remember anything additionally comedic that you didn't that stood out to you? Um. Well, what I did notice was actually something that, like, it, the 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 high the peaks and valleys between it being serious and being like funny. Like, for example, like one of the notes that I specifically made not to put the fucking you know car ahead of the horse, but one of the best kills I thought, or just in general, the best sequences. I love that sequence when they confront the teacher and it's like the fucking blowtorch through the head, then the fucking freezing and then electrocuting to blow him up. Yeah, that was great. That was so over the top. And that was definitely the best kill. It was so stand out. Well, but, th- but see, that's what I'm saying. Like what's it's, it goes from like, okay, we're showing the inside of like the, the high school dance and the students being like, dude, who are they? Those are cool costumes. And then it goes to like that scene. 
So that's why I'm saying, like, I'm wondering if I watched that hybrid one because the the, the I guess like the the differences between it being funny, the funny parts, like, hey, you're supposed to laugh here because you know this chud is trying to bite this person who's dancing, but they keep moving out of the way to then like, hey, we're gonna explode this teacher, you know, like it just like it was very like smashed together and like in that. So I'm what so what. Were you able to find out any information about, like, you know, if, if there's differences in, like, the runtime between the seriousness or, like, like, I'm wondering what version you have. So the version I have is the Blu-ray version. So I imagine it's just the standard, it's the standard version that we standard all got. One. Because that's all, that one is all I've remembered. Um, the only thing What's that the I. runtime on there? An hour and 25 minutes, 24 minutes, 25 minutes. I mean, that sounds, it sounds similar. To, to the one that they were that they have currently on TV. And all the information I had on the on the three versions of it being made was just like that. Like there was three versions made. Um and I, I'm I wanna say the first time I saw it when I was I think like an early teenager, I, it was the first time I saw this and I saw it on like sci fi, so I don't know if I saw this version or if they played a television version at, on sci fi. I would assume the television version, but I can't think of anything that stood out that would be different from that version and the version I've been watching since it was released on Vestron from Vestron a few years ago. That was re released by Vestron, that wasn't like Arrow or whatever? No, no, it was Vestron. I don't think Arrow might be a, a little. <laughs> Not, not that Arrow hasn't released. I, know you, I already know what you're gonna say. You're gonna say. Arrow might be a little too highbrow for for Rudd the Chud, but hey, they've put out Arrow put out Brain Damage, and if you've never seen Brain Damage, I implore you to see that one because that one is a Bonkers. fucking acid trip. Bonkers. There's a Bonkers. little Mister Hanky shit looking thing that <laughs> crawls into. You got. You just gotta watch it. It's fucking crazy. That might be one that would be amazing to watch. Uh and, and they did. Arrow did release that. So yeah, then Arrow, then Arrow is able to. Yeah, can, actually, I take it back because they did Society too, and there's literally people that are assholes in literal <laughs> legit human assholes that eat people in Society. So yeah, you know what? I take it back. Arrow isn't highbrow. They aren't too snooty for Bud the Chud. But Vestron, it was a Vestron release. Okay. It was a Vestron released film. But Arrow does do like they do. I think they just do such a nice job. That you're like. You, you don't immediately think it, but then I start thinking about the releases that I own from them, and I was just like, no, nah, they do everything. Arrow's the, Arrow's the shit. That's awesome. But yeah, we get, I mean, of course, it's October, so it's only natural that we not only watch a movie that gives us October vibes, but there is a Halloween dance in here. Hell yeah. And they have they have gotten, the, the horde of chuds are, are moving towards the Halloween dance, but we have an uncredited cameo from a horror legend that is walking his daughter trick-or-treating and is Dude, none other than Robert Englund. What? Uncredited. No oh, yeah. So, like I said, this Robert Irvine, or Irving, uh, not the chef, but I think that's the dude's <laughs> name that directed this. Uh, sorry, I didn't, I didn't like, fucking spend an insane amount of time on IMDb. I just kind of wanted to roll with this. And Dude, that's good. I like this. David, Ir David Irving. Uh, is the director so he must have had some ins with uh with uh with robert england weird, or someone weird names man that are like pseudo associated with this title it's it's wild to me 
Yeah, and let's see. I'm not really seeing anybody as far as a makeup artist that looks super familiar. There were the three people for special effects, and I could like it just passed quickly in the credits, and I could not jot their names down. But like, it didn't. Same type of thing. Nothing really jumped. I'm not like soup. You're you're way more well versed in that type of shit. But even with like the the somewhat limited knowledge of like that those types of specifics it was like are these just these kind of just seem like random dudes you know that are part of a special effects team or whatever so the lead guy was alan apone um and he's done like the new robocop he did suicide squad so i'm trying to go back because i'm not like super familiar with this dude i believe i've seen he did like dinner he did a lot of like weird ones like like comedies like bridesmaid and dinner for schmucks i'm not i'm not sure what makeup you're doing on those movies but um i'm trying to skip back because he's got a fuck ton of credits i'm trying to see what his real work was because the 80s is the real work so he did desperado in 95 okay he did Candyman farewell to the flesh in 95 major league two in 94 he was a makeup department head uh, he did Coneheads. He was a prosthetics uh, artist on Coneheads. So, he, so he's got some, ch- he's got some names. He's oh, some for sure, for sure. Uh, I mean, he isn't like su- he isn't like strictly horror, so I wasn't super familiar with him. Um, but yeah, this he did Return to Horror High, Invaders from Mars, Neon Maniacs. Uh, he was one of the effects artists on. Uh, Return of the Living Dead, so that makes sense too. Um, I know that the the he was one of the main guys on that, I guess. But I know Tony Tony Gardner was uh one of the dudes on that um as well, and he's worked on the Elm Street um franchise and a million different other ones. But yeah, um, I'm blanking on the dude's name. Uh, who was the the makeup one of the makeup guys on uh return of the living dead and i can't figure it out and it's annoying me but regardless regardless um so yeah so he's worked on some stuff um and return of the living dead probably being and and um being probably as as biggest as far as in the horror realm anyway he did django unchained too so uh he was like an assistant makeup anyway we're getting fucking in the weeds um (laughs) No, no, no. Trying to track this shit down. It's interesting, you know? Especially these guys go on. They do Bud the Chud, but then they go on and they're doing fucking Suicide Squad still in, you know, in this last few years and and working with Quentin Tarantino. So it's fun to see these guys that, like, work on these films that they've probably forgotten about, but their work sticks around and you're like, oh, shit, this guy's done all this stuff. And then those names will stick with you. So Alan Apone, there you go. Alan Apone and... It's. I know before uh, when we kind of kicked this off, I was talking about like I love the idea of like what makes these. I guess we'll call them this version of of the Chuds uh, special is like kind of the ability to counteract um, the environment that pushes against you, like the heating up of the cells to melt the cryo shit. I really, really liked those scenes when they would like zoom in on the ch- the frozen Chuds, and it would like sh- like they did it a few times. Um, I really like that a lot. And then the, you know, the finale, None I guess, of... like as far as makeup work, prosthetic works, that whole sequence, like in the pool and all that shit, like it was actually really, it was really awesome. 
like to yeah, see. Like, it doesn't I, look I, bad. None of the effects look bad or cheesy. I think they look awesome. Yeah, they look great. And even like the over, I don't even know how they uh, acquired it, but like the whole like exp- you know the fucking exploding into light type shit you know almost pseudo from dust till dawn vampires exploding type shit like the the light absorbs them or whatever um after their bodies explode or you know how like the the the, the, the it's like the holes get produced in the body right um all of that just like it it's it reeks of the time period, but in a very good way. Right, and like you I, said, it doesn't look cheesy. It yeah. doesn't look bad. Yeah, and and I know there's some people that be like, "Oh, I think of blah, blah blah," but I mean, that's you're trying to be revisionist history. It's not, you, you know, it's still 1989. Like we're still. I mean, granted, there's amazing horror special effects and stuff, but it's still like, especially when you have a lower budget, it's hard to yeah. achieve what they achieved. What I think they got on this and. For for a lower budget, I think they did they did pretty damn good. But the that ending the ending scene is just so cool when they get all lured into the pool, mm-hmm. and they get frozen with the with the nit- nitrogen in the pool, and then they all blow up. Like that's fucking awesome. We we see Steve get bit in his Nike. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, they don't make shoes like they used to either. The Nikes in the eighties were just so fucking sick. Dude, fresh, and you know what it is too. You know for a fact, looking at those fucking shoes. It's like those are comfortable. Like he probably slept with them. Yeah. You know, oh, you know, exactly. Like, you come home for school, you fall asleep in your Air Maxes. They were so comfortable. <laughs> Fluffing his goddamn mullet and kicking, kicking back in those goddamn fucking. You Air can Maxes you can feel fall. and remember how comfortable they are, even with those gritty fucking white socks everyone wore. Just, you wear them once Cause sock, immediately cause, stained. Because socks were never comfortable back when we were kids either. <laughs> no. But unless you had it's the, like, really socks. soft, like, really, like, thin, like, Batman and Robin fucker, Batman Forever fucking socks. But other than that, if you wore the white ones, like, they were soft that first time you wore them. And then after you wore, it was like putting sandpaper on your fucking feet. The elastic would would get all shitty after, like, three times through the wash. So eventually you're just pulling up, like socks that the elastics all loose so it looks like i don't know like weird lips around your fucking there's listen there's nothing more disgusting in life (laughs) than white socks i have not wore fucking white socks since like i'm not even shitting you like maybe like (laughs) maybe 2000 like i just could not do i can't do it like it fucking literally it's like if someone I, I don't know. Like it's it's more disgusting than shit wiped on the fucking toilet cover, the rug toilet covers. I'd rather I'd rather lick, smell, and fucking and, and like just rub shit, shitty, dirty fucking rug shit on my fucking face from those toilets than fucking wear white socks ever again in my life. I'll never do it ever. I've yeah. wore fucking black. I'll wear fucking black socks. Black socks are the way to go. I'm going to gross you out, dude. I've strictly been wearing white socks for, like, the last, like, 15 years of my life, dude. I actually wore... So, here's the thing. I started off doing, like, just white socks, whatever whatever my fucking grandparents buy me for Christmas from fucking Ames. And then, like, in high school, I was like, fuck this. I'm wearing black socks. I got the fucking whatever, gold toe fucking... Or what the fuck ever, right? And something happened. I don't know what it was, but like I was just like I need to go back to white socks. It doesn't. My feet fucking sweat, dude. 
And I found that when I was wearing fucking black socks, my feet stink. I think there's something to that because my feet fucking reek. But all I wear is black socks. See, that was the thing. I switched it over and it's like, look, I'm not looking to empty a fucking three quarters of a thing of gold bond in my goddamn gold toe socks before I put on my fucking chucks. So then I'm walking around with fucking like... You know, looking like I'm goddamn walk through Scarface's, you know, fucking a building, getting white shit everywhere. But it's like, I just, that's why I was laughing that whole time. Was like, yeah, dude, I wear white socks and I'm, <laughs> I'm a disgusting motherfucker. So that, that's really hilarious. But if, the question is, am I the disgusting motherfucker? Because I'm the one walking around with stinky black socks, apparently. I'm telling you, though, <laughs> I'm telling you, though, because my fucking feet smell like a fucking anchovies cunt it smells so fucking bad and i don't know but here's the thing though it's only when i'm like out and about and doing stuff for like eight hours a day like if i'm like going to the fucking movies or i'm just like going but then there's sometimes i'm telling you it was only when i work like like on your feet yeah yeah if i'm not working like even if i go and walk around i could go fucking pumpkin picking for fucking six hours and fucking go kiss my grits at the fucking it's beacon skiff and i'm still not gonna my feet won't smell there but anytime i could walk into fucking to go to work and do nothing all day and sit at a fucking sit at my fucking desk all day and as soon as i get home even though i have barely fucking moved all day they'll fucking literally fucking smell like shit be surprised if you get a nice fucking white starch white fucking pack of tube socks mailed to your house mysteriously in the next <laughs> few months and here's what i want you to do i didn't you don't even have to fucking wear them i want you to try it once wear them to work once you don't have to tell anybody you can still be the black sock guy but like if you if it happens once and you're like bro because th- i'm telling you right now dude that's why i fucking stopped I might go to I might go to black I might go to white socks just for work. This might be a big thing. We had a big sock. We just had a big sock revelation here on the Sight and Sound podcast presented by Hard Guy Media. Holy fuck, about the chud too. Talking. I mean, we this if this ushers in your change in, in work socks. I mean, the, I, here's the real question. You think Robert Vaughn really thought that his the movie that he essentially co-starred in? Right, as far as like being like the acting talent on set, do you really think that he would have thought in a million years two motherfuckers who grew up in Canister, New York, had a revelation, possible revelation about socks, their color, and stench when it comes to wearing them out and about and at work? Just wild to me. Wild. I'm sure he's in the grave, just elated right now over it. Dude, he's he's got to be psyched. I mean, this is put it that way. He's got to be excited, you know. But we get this fucking, we get this great fucking thing. He, you know, Bud chases Katie up the high dive. Uh, they freeze him with nitrogen. He fucking falls over. They blow up all the fucking chuds in the nitrogen frozen pool. They get the little fucking from ducks till dawn fucking uh, light pole fucking explosions. Hell yeah. And Steve gets bit in his fucking Nike. And, you know, Kevin goes to pick up Kate or Katie picks up Kevin and uh, Steve wrote him a note, said he's going on to, you know, leave in for whatever fucking reason. And then uh, we see Steve is getting picked up. He's got his limp. He's got the dog with him. And he's a fucking chud. And the colonel's in the back, like fucking, like David and, and fucking uh, Hooser shits from um, 
American Werewolf in London were riding in the back with the <laughs> with the sheep and I'm a hungry man and that's the fucking movie and what a fucking great ass movie. Also Steve kind of looks like Anthony. Yeah. That's creepy. That's actually really creepy. That's like that's like if that's like if Anthony and Steve Gutenberg maybe had a love child. Oh yeah, right? for sure. You know, they mixed up the juices and had like a, a you know a baby oh. from a cylinder or something. Uh, Air, Nike Air Max fucking mulleted fucking son. <laughs> oh man. What a film so, though. What a fucking fun film. Fucking love it, man. It's, so good. It's so wild, so goofy. If you haven't seen it, you got to check it out. Uh. It's just fun. It's just fun. It's definitely something that's cool to, like, throw on. Like I said, I mean, I, I threw it on last night, and, you know, something you watch during the weekday, during October. Like, it's, I mean, it's it's fucking cool. It's, I mean, it, it's not trying to be anything more than what it is. I would say definitely a palate cleanser, too. So if you were to watch these, let's say you had a weekend, and it's like, I'm going to watch the first one, I'm going to watch the second one. It's like a good it's a good break between the two as far as oh, in, in my sure. opinion, as far as a franchise concerned, because like, it's not trying to reinvent itself in the second one. It's like, we're going to go in a completely bonkers opposite direction. And it's still going to be fun. You know, it's yep. just, it, I, I like that. I, I kind of admire that a little bit about, about these two movies. It's still equally as watchable for different reasons. Right. Yeah. 100%. And like you said, that's definitely, th- these are two movies that it actually would be fun to do a back-to-back on because they're so different and you don't get bogged down in one vibe or the other. It it, mm-hmm. th- it would actually be a, a good way to, a good double feature. So if you haven't seen Chud, go check it out. If you haven't listened to the episode where Lou and I covered Chud last year, that was a fucking blast. And if you ever wanted uh, anything more than what we provided here for Chud too. I don't know if you're going to get it. We did white socks. We did fucking carpeted toilets. We did fucking everything, can openers, everything under the fucking sun. I think, uh, I think we've hit, we've hit all of the points. Definitely check it out. I know right now it's available on Tubi. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm sure you can probably find your various ways to get your hands on this movie. Also, um, keep your eyes open for any DVD copies of this. Um, very interested if you see anything out about, like I said, I, I got an FYE out here where I live that I'm going to double check. Cause I know they had a copy a while back, but, um, this just seems like one of those kind of random, it's random enough to where it's, it's, so, it's rare as far as like it being on the shelf. So, right. Right. But, uh, but definitely highly recommend checking out that first episode as Jesse said, but, um, gotta see this movie. Definitely, definite palate cleanser in general for this holiday season. For all y'all sick motherfuckers that just watch serious twisted movies, throw this shit on and tell me you're not gonna fucking laugh your laugh your ass off when that fucking little poodle is carrying the goddamn mailman <laughs> to his doom. You know, like come on, it's it, great. And listen, there's a Halloween dance in it, so it is indeed yeah. a Halloween film. So enjoy it. And uh, Lou, you got anything to promote before uh, before we make our exit? Hell yeah. So uh, check out uh, Lurking Class. Definitely on Instagram at Lurking Class Band. We're also on Bandcamp as well and Spotify and Apple Music. Uh, but Bandcamp is kind of the, 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 I guess, the way that we're currently riding as far as like where we kind of push things. Um, we have we had an EP we released in January, and we've had three singles since then in preparation for our upcoming album. We don't have a release date yet. 
Um, but we're in the process of finishing up those nine songs as far as uh, mastering is concerned and mixing and all that great stuff. Uh, Burger Creek Productions, obviously, you can find uh, that on Instagram as well. Um, still in the midst of getting this third season uh, finished up and wrapped up. We have 24 episodes out right now out of the uh, 33 episodes for the season. Um, just kind of dealing with some tech stuff on the back end. So that'll that'll continue here shortly. Um Lurking class, we got a gig coming up uh, this weekend in Baltimore. Um, we're still working out the deets for our Philly gig. We had some com- complications occur with that for this Friday. And then the following Saturday, we're going to be playing on uh, at the Green Growler Croton on Hudson. So we're a little closer to New York City. Um, that's, a, that's a Halloween gig, so we're excited about that. And then we have a couple shows coming up, both in Massachusetts and in Connecticut in November and then in December, weather permitting. So psyched, a lot of good stuff happening. Fucking try and stay busy before either the world locks down or fucking we get back into the, the beautiful thing that we upstaters know as New York. So trying to make it happen. I'm going to say something that's controversial right now. COVID's over. It's fucking over. I've, Dude, been, fuck. I've, been, I've been to fucking – I've been to a wrestling event. I've been to fucking a couple shows. It's fucking over. Let's get and on rest, with our let's get on COVID, with our fucking lives. COVID nineteen, rest and piss. Yeah. All right, fucking let's be done with this shit. All right, I'm over it. It's fucking fuck, over. It. It's fucking over. Um, but yeah, man, thanks a lot for joining, uh, and being on an episode again. It's just always a fucking blast. Um, definitely want to have you on again asap. Um, so we got we got a, a juggernaut of a weekend coming up here. We're we're doing Halloween and Halloween Kills. Uh, we're dropping all the shit on those two films. Uh, maybe even in one episode. I haven't decided yet. Uh, and we still have Hackle Lantern and Day of the Dead coming up this month. So uh, we got some catching up to do. And all these episodes are gonna be dropping. You can listen to them on Spotify, Apple, fuck wherever the fuck you get your. Uh, wherever you stream all your podcast uh host site is anchor.fm check them out uh for all your podcasting needs and yeah you can find us on instagram and twitter at heart god media and check us out sight and sound podcast uh check out chud too bud the motherfucking chud